11 goals across both semifinal first legs and quite a few memorable moments overall, both good and bad for very different reasons. But I'm your host, Alex Ibaceta, and I'm with Abdullah Abdullah and Jesse Parker Humphreys. How are you two? Good. Yeah, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, both of your teams won, so I guess you're both good. Yeah, it's, you know, it's the manner of which they won is different, but yeah, good. Yeah. Jesse's still a Barcelona fan? Um, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure. I mean, to be fair, Chelsea did win, but not in this competition. So. Yeah, we're not talking about that. Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. <laughs> But overall, just a quick summary, uh, Barcelona did beat Wolfsburg 5-1 in front of another record Camp Nou crowd, and PSG gifted Lyon a 3-2 win. I think we could safely say that for the most part, and sets up quite an excited second leg. But also, for the Barcelona game, there was a guy that was coming in to work with me, and he was like, this is the first ever like, game at Camp Nou, and like, I don't know how this is going to go, and I was like... I was like, don't expect a scoreline like the Real Madrid one because this match is going to be so much closer than that one. And then it fucking ends 5-1 and I just look like an idiot. You look like, stupid. I look so bad. <laughs> but yeah, on this episode, we're breaking down both of these matches and at the end, we'll answer questions that you, the listeners, sent us on our Twitter on the second half of the episode. So that should be quite a couple of good ones overall. Um, there's one in particular that I'm excited to ask Abdullah about just to get him on his exes at existential crisis but let's do a quick summary of both matches jesse how would you describe these matches the barcelona one gave me ptsd to the champions league final so that was a traumatic watch and it was it was good i guess but i was a bit like we'd arranged to watch it in a pub alex was meant to be coming until she bailed at the last minute i don't know why it would have been much more fun for her to watch it with me in Islington than at Camp Nou. I think that's clear for everyone to see. So, but then I was like, oh my God, we arranged to watch this game. There's like an old man there watching it with us. We've made him put it on the big screen. And then you're like, after like 10 minutes, like this game is done. So that was annoying. And then PSG Leon, I forgot that it even started because I was stressed about Chelsea. So that one went well for me personally. But then that game was just pure hilarious chaos so i did enjoy that one more probably more than the barcelona game although there was much better football in the barcelona game. to say something i guess abdullah what do you think i'll start with barcelona because that's the easier one to talk about um it was a yeah pretty one-sided pretty uh, game over pretty quickly i couldn't watch the first 20 30 minutes I-, I was preoccupied and then i came in for the end of the first half second half and i was like this is I, I I saw people jumping on on Twitter being like this is this is crazy, but I didn't realize the extent of it, what was going on. And I saw the score and I went four 0 Okay, Wolfsburg, what have you done? How have you like? I thought okay, I mean obviously Barcelona played really well, but the extent to which Wolfsburg gave them the goals, I was just like like you've just thrown everyone's predictions out of the window. Everyone's sort of like hyped analysis of how this game will go. You just literally threw out the window in like five minutes. So I was like, fantastic. And then the second game, it was just hilarity ensued. I was just like, I was basically, my, my hands were like this on my face the entire time. I was watching through my fingers because I was like, what is going on? I don't even understand what's going on. I don't even know where to break this game down from. And so I just gave up in the end and just watched the game and went, we won. That's that's the analysis I'll take from it. We won. You just let the chaos unfold. <laughs> yeah, I just gave up in the end. I mean, this, this is, this, this, Sometimes this it's happened. the only way. Yeah, yeah. pretty yeah. much. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's quite a decent analysis, to be fair, overall, quite quickly. Um, but we'll go in order of play. So Barcelona 5, Wolfsburg 1. Before Friday night, Barcelona have failed to score it against Wolfsburg in three Women's Champions League matches with the 6-0 aggregate score overall. And in just one match, obviously, Barcelona managed to make up for last time, to say the least, and put five past Wolfsburg. Um, though Joe Ward did get a lone Wolfsburg goal on her birthday, I might add. And it was a good finish. I'll give her that. And of course, a new record crowd of 96,648 at Camp Nou. And Barcelona breaks their own world record in less than a month. A quick correction on this, because I accidentally said 96,648 at the time of recording, and it's actually 91,648. 
So, so make of that what you will. Jesse's very upset that they were only there for the first time. (laughs) I went all that way for a world record and it lasted like three weeks. Yeah, basically. I will say though, I will say, and one of, I think Adam Slater uh, asked this question as well about which atmosphere was better. And I do have to say the atmosphere of El Clásico was much better in terms of the hype around everything. But it was also, I think everything just fell into the occasion of it was the first time of a crowd at all at Camp Nou for a women's match. El Clásico, Women's Champions League, it was just all kind of put together. And the occasion itself was just a much more hype occasion overall rather than the second leg but the atmosphere was still you know it was, it was still amazing the the supporters were still there everyone stayed after the match to celebrate with the players the atmosphere was absolutely buzzing um and i genuinely thought that it wasn't gonna pass or like maybe even get it would get close but i definitely didn't didn't think it was gonna pass it by that much um just about the atmosphere but it was pretty packed to be fair so when you look in perspective it's not too surprising but We'll look at the stats on this. Barcelona finished with 33 attempts on goal, 20 on target. In comparison, PSG Lyon had 21 attempts on goal together and Barcelona had 20 goals on target. So make of that what you will. Um, And Wolfsburg finished with 10 attempts on goal and just four on target. Target? I don't know what word I just said there, but we're going to move on from that. But the biggest takeaway, I think, for Wolfsburg was their defensive organization. And Alexia's first goal highlighted that highlighted that mess um, very clearly, I think. Jesse, do you want to talk us through this goal in terms of Barcelona exploiting Wolfsburg's very questionable defensive organization? Yeah, this was not like Wolfsburg were annoying me with their attempt to play. I think, well, it wasn't, it clearly wasn't meant to be a straight line. Basically, Dominic Janssen spent like the entire game stepping up onto Jenny Hermoso, which I mean, look, Chelsea tried to do it with Millie Bright and that went really well for them. So I can see why you would be like, this is the tactic we're going to employ too. Uh, It was, it's a choice. Like I get it. I think they were obviously worried about Oberdorf not being there. They wanted that boost in midfield, but it just meant that there was so much space for players to run into like even way before Alexia's goal um the just the general line even between the three of them the remaining defenders was like absolutely awful so it was really easy for uh players like Anna Maria Corona Corona I can't ever say her last name <laughs> to be played on side uh or for Luna Rolfo because she was so high up the pitch as well and then for Alexia's goal, you kind of saw how much like Dominique Janssen had just ultimately lost her mind during this game because she starts following like Jenny Hermoso is all the way on the other side of the pitch and she starts following Aitana Bonmati. And it's the funniest thing in the world because Bonmati is just like pointing like to Patrick being like, just play it there because there's Alexia being like, wow, this is the most space I'm ever going to have to run into. And I think it's funny because I thought Alexia had been quite quiet for like most of the first half. This was kind of like why it was so annoying like Wolfsburg it felt like they were doing some bits right but Barcelona just didn't basically didn't even need Alexia on the pitch but you could tell that she was pissed off that she had been involved because her face after she scored that goal was so intense yeah but like all of the defense was so bizarre like Felicitas Rao I don't know what she was doing but for the second and third goals she was there like bitching and both times they were her players who'd like run through and then she's like there like with her hands in the air I'm like Hun, you're meant to be mark. You are the one meant to be marking them, and you're just letting like Marta Torahon like run past you as if she was like a hundred meter sprinter. It was. I'm not a Wolfsburg fan, but if I was, I would have been really upset because I've got no idea what they thought they would. It was like this was like a masterclass in how not to defend against Barcelona, basically. I think that's pretty accurate. Yeah, the, the Marta Torahon assist to Jenny Almosa was very intriguing because you just like Caroline Grim Hansen was. She literally stood there for that entire play and did not move. And obviously the Wolfsburg fullback was occupied with Caroline Graham Hansen, who was literally standing there doing nothing. And it was But then on the CGH goal, she lets CGH go. Yeah. So it's like, who are you meant to be marking? Are you marking Hansen or are you waiting for the, like, or are you marking the space? Because it seems like it's neither. It literally makes no sense. We talked about it, about the fluidity of positions and the way that Barcelona move. You need to pick one or the other. You can't kind of just like take the game as it goes because then you make the wrong decisions as Dominic Janssen did, for example. I mean, I think Barcelona did play, I wouldn't say almost a perfect game, but I mean, they came out and they wanted to kill Wolfsburg. And they, I mean, they got what they wanted. They played amazing football to the point where I think 
they were they were just enjoying their football so much because they were playing that well, if that makes sense. But Abdullah, I think we all expected Wolfsburg to do much, much better than they did. And they made us all look bad with our predictions. Um, but Abdullah, where was obviously defensive, <coughs> defensive areas in, in terms of kind of defending against Barcelona, but where was Wolfsburg's biggest downfall? I think, you know, you, you nailed it. They, they, it's only, they didn't stick to a game plan. They, they, you know, I think this was the most, this is the thing that everyone picked up on the most. And I think it's, it's, it's true is that Wolfsburg neither pressed Neither did they sit down, sit deep and defend. They kind of were just doing this wishy-washy in between. We're going to step up maybe half a you know half a meter. We'll sit back half. We're not really going to press. We're, we're going to sit back as well. Like that in itself, I think that alone was the downfall for the first 20, 25 minutes, which caused them to give away three to four goals. I mean, the whole yeah. I think on, 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 and I, I was I was talking to Carl, and obviously he's he's giving us a question later. But like I was like. Dominic Ganson is single-handedly responsible for all four goals. In, 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 it's, it's, it's harsh, but if you go back and look at all the goals, she is he's heavily involved in the mistakes. You have to give goals. Felicitas Rauch some credit for being, for them as well, I'm afraid. Yeah, fair enough. No, no, okay, yeah, fair enough. But the initial, like, stepping up into space when, when there's no... Wait, okay, if you're going to go for a pressing scheme... Everybody has to press together. Everybody has to move together. You can't have Jansen stepping up. Everybody else is kind of chilling back and going, wait, we're pressing now? That's literally what it felt like. I think the theme of the two games put together was communication because it just felt like all the teams except for Barcelona were just like, they just didn't know how to communicate. Like if Barcelona, if if Jansen is stepping up into Hermosa, whether she's she shouldn't be marking Hermosa man-to-man is a different story altogether. But if she's going to step up into Hermoso, the rest need to push up and close the space to the other the other Barcelona attackers and not just leave everybody to be and be like, we're going to defend the space, but you can go man to man, but then we're going to leave the space in behind you alone, which Felicitas Ross, like you said, is supposed to come and cover behind. And to me, that was just, that was crazy. And, you know, to to, um, to Barcelona's credit, I think they did, full, they, they, they took full advantage of it. Um, but yeah, I think, and then, but then the thing is, we saw that when Wolfsburg had a couple of chances, they got through one goal and they were able to, to to create one or two chances, but they just, but it's their defensive off the ball planning. That was their major downfall. They just didn't have a clear plan. Are you going to press or are you going to sit? Pick one. They just didn't do either of them. The anger that I hear. Sorry. <laughs> voice. Just... Like, how stupid could you be to do this? It was irritating to it watch. It was so it annoying. Was. If it we was... could sit here and watch and and, and, and and figure this out in the first 10 minutes, it's like, it's like a tactical sin. Like, pick one. Like, what are you doing? It was, yeah, it was, you know, it was really... Obviously, as a Barcelona fan, it was really fun to see. Um, but it goes into this next kind of topic of how we know Barcelona wants to kind of be really motivated to kind of rewrite their Champions League pass, like we saw against Chelsea in that final. <clears throat> um, and they were, I mean, they were noticeably nervous before this match. I think when you look at the videos, you look at the players walking onto the pitch, um, there was that video of, of Mapi Leon kind of walking onto the pitch, kind of just taking breathers, you know, relaxing. And I think the players were pressured to kind of do better than before and like hope that nothing went to shit basically. Um, but they came out in full force and obviously it went in their, in their um, favor of just enjoying their football and just playing really, really well. And not even like... And this wasn't even like a really good match for them. Like it wasn't one of their best matches and they still managed to destroy it. Um, we put a headline on YouTube that says Barcelona thrashed Wolfsburg. And, and like in, if you read English sporting journalism, it's like quite common to say that when it's like four or five nil. But then all the kind of like the foreigners outside of English language got really offended and they thought that we that we called Wolfsburg trash. Um, so that was really funny. So that's just that's really nice. random, but it's just really, really funny. Um, but Jesse, going back to kind of Barcelona and that, was this almost a perfect game for Barcelona? Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the result and you're like, well, it's about as good as you get. I think they'll be annoyed to have conceded, probably, because I think it does kind of show that there, can't, there are some weaknesses there. But if you're, you know... 4-0 up or whatever, does it really matter if you then concede a goal? 
I think the only thing that like feels like it wasn't a perfect game for Barcelona is because you kind of turn on and you think Barcelona are going to play, you know, the nice ticky-tacky, passy-passy stuff. But really, they just put like loads of long balls like over the top of Wolfsburg's press. The first goal is obviously just a ball over the top of the defence's head because Wolfsburg's line was both so high and so raggedy. It was just really easy for them to do that. So I guess it was a perfect game for showing that kind of Barcelona's threat is that they can do anything it feels like they can play any kind of style I like I was talking to Tim Stillman about it that you know they can press you to death or whatever or they can just play some long balls and have their wingers run at you you know Carolina Graham Hansen can just sit you down in the penalty box if she wants to do that Irena Paredes can sit you down on the halfway line if she wants to do that so I didn't think it was like quintessential, amazing Barcelona. Like I thought, for example, they were a lot better against Chelsea in the Champions League final. Like that for me, maybe it's because it was more personal, but like that was just like an kind of incredible display. Whereas I do think here, Wolfsburg rather played into their hands. I think it was just the way that Barcelona shocked everyone in the sense that this was supposed to be a really close match. And they were just like, nah, like, we're so much better than a close match and this is what we decided to show. But Abdullah, also, wait, before anything, can we just take a second to talk about that Caroline Graham Hansen goal? Oh, yes. Oh. Because I I was on the other side of the pitch, so I, I had to text Jesse. I was like, can you please talk me through that? And then Jesse just texted me, it was delicious. Um, so that's that's their description. Abdullah, how, how, like, do you want to kind of summarize that in three words? Um... Just unbelievable! Like, un like it was just, just no words. Like, literally, there are no words to describe how good this goal was. Like, the run that she takes, and then just that cut back, and the way she sits her down. I'm like, oh my god! I was like, that that goal alone should have just won the game four 0 Like that goal, that goal alone was worth four goals in itself. It was that good. Like, Graham, it's like everyone, all the attackers, one by one, were like, all right, we're we're all gonna take turns to show that we're amazing. And that was Graham Hansen's. That was Graham Hansen's. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm gonna. I'm, I'm the best. Everyone's been talking about everyone else. All right, my turn. I'm gonna come in here and I'm gonna show that I'm boss. And then that goal was just unreal. The, the Spanish commentary was just like Madre mía, and I was like, yeah, that sounds that sounds quite right. Um, and just to add different stats on there of Dilo, what you said about everyone kind of showing how good they are in the first half. Barcelona's first four goals was four different goal scorers and four different assisters. Um, so that's another go. thing of kind of just showing just how good they are, like literally on any side of the pitch. But we did talk on the last episode about how one of the biggest downsides to Barcelona style plays when the opposition is in transition. Um, and we saw that in the Joe Ward goal, but Abdullah, Barcelona certainly dominated, but because of this, Wolfsburg did manage to test Sandra Paños quite a few times. Was this kind of the biggest way that Wolfsburg got some joy against Barca or, or was there kind of like another way in that you saw? Yeah, no, they, they did. And I think, I think for me, it's, it's, they were they were did well through Jan's daughter on the wing. I think if they if it went, once they got hold of the ball and they had a little bit of control, put together a couple of passes, they were really able to kind of go through Barcelona's midfield and kind of the half spaces on the left and right, and then be able to get some joy because in the first half, I think when it was two 0 done, I think that uh, Irina Paredes uh, goal clearance off the line in the, in the first half uh, when you, I think Jan's daughter gets the ball on the left, she cuts she cuts across and she plays the ball to Svenja Huth who then you know shoots but then it's cleared off the line by Paredes. There were moments like that. And then obviously the the uh, the Jill Ward goal also came through uh, a moment of, uh, you know, cutting through them on the transition and then getting being able to get a goal. When they had those those moments, it was great. But the problem mainly came down to the fact that they almost, whenever they got the ball, they panicked. And I think that's the fear Barcelona put in them, that they almost felt like if we have the ball, they'll, they'll take it off us within the second. So we need to we need to be even quicker to get rid of the ball. And that messed up with their entire um, their entire sort of like rhythm, rhythm of play. But when they managed to get the ball, play through the lines, put together two, three passes, especially in, in the wide areas using Jan Zotir and Sven Yahoos, they were at their most most peak and they're most dangerous. And I think that's when, um, you know, that's when they brought on uh, Eva Payor to kind of maybe take advantage of that a little bit more, sit on the shoulder, try and get into the channels and, and work uh, work them over there. And then, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, Paredes with the goal line clearance, it, it helped. 
It helped a little bit. Yeah. It helped. Probably say that. <laughs> <laughs> but going back on that on that Joe Ward goal, um, yeah, we, we talked about the out of out of position Barcelona attackers in this case. Barcelona did lose the ball higher up. Um, Alexia tried a dummy to Jenny Hermoso and, and they clearly again miscommunication the highlight of all these matches um, and then Tabea Wasmuth I'm pretty sure it was Wasmuth who gets the ball drives towards the two centre backs and then creates kind of a 3v2 with just Mapi and Paredes because obviously both fullbacks were way higher on the attack especially Rolfo who is not a defender essentially um, but then it was yeah 3v2 Mapi had Ewa Bayo to her left and then Irene Paredes had Joe Ward to the right and then Tabea was literally just like driving towards the center of that and then obviously ball to Joe Ward and pretty good finish but Jesse Wolfsburg only managed to do it once in 90 minutes this particular kind of style play and I, I mean I'm just saying once because it resulted in a goal and there wasn't many other chances to do that but is this the best way that Wolfsburg can hurt, can hurt Barcelona in the second leg if they actually, you know, sit down and sort their shit out? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Uh, you know, kind of before the game, we texted about Marta Torrejon versus John Stottier and whether that was like something you felt like, you know, it seemed like that was like an interesting matchup. Equally, you know, Wolfo was playing so high up the pitch. Barcelona were basically playing like a front four so there's spaces there, but I think the problem Wolfsburg have is kind of twofold. One, they were really just struggling to circulate the ball. I think that was partially the way Barcelona kind of swarm press players, but also I think the gaps between their kind of defense and they didn't, it didn't really feel like they had a midfield. It felt like they had like five defenders and then like five attackers or whatever. And those gaps just made it impossible for them to even think about playing through. So they were constantly putting balls in the air and there was just like so many turnovers that they didn't really have the opportunity to like counter in any way. And then the other thing that I think is just hard for Wolfsburg, and this is just like the nature of where this team's at is, you know, when you look at kind of the players they're playing across that front line, John Stottier, Vasmuth, you know, even Joe Raw, they're not players who've played like large amounts of like Champions League minutes, Eva Payo even coming on. And I think you're relying so much against a team like Barcelona to make the right decision every single time because you're going to get into that into that position so few times across across the game. And I think it's hard, you know, for those players to be able to, to do that. I think even with the goal line clearance from Paredes, I understand why John Stotter put put it across to Hoof because there was loads of space there. But there was a moment where, it, I don't know if it's Vazimov or Rod in front of her, where it did look like she could slip them in. And I kind of thought if it was a Barcelona player, that's that was the decision they'd have take, taken rather than playing it across the box because the clearance was great, but it, it always felt like kind of Hoof's angle, like favoured a clearance being made. So I think that was just kind of an example of when you've only got like one or two chances, how your decisions need to be spot on. And I think that's what's really hard for a team like Wolfsburg to do like right now. Yeah, Abdullah, in terms of looking at Barcelona, obviously there was a lot of kind of things going on, but, and we mentioned it also, the style play wasn't necessarily the tiki-taka, you know, the usual, it was kind of adapting to the opposition. Um, But who do you think was Barcelona's most important player in this match? For me, and I'm a new fan now, is Ana Maria Kornogorsovic. I find you, I've been learning how to pronounce her name. I was like, if I'm going to be a fan, I got to learn how to pronounce that last name there. So, yeah, no, I, I, jokes aside, I thought I thought Kornogorsovic was was probably their, um, you know, most important player. Just, I think you, you look at her versatility and you look at the way she plays, kind of wherever she plays on the pitch, um, her movement and the way she understands the position and the role is so good. I think, you know, you we expected that when the lineup came out, at least for me, I thought, all right, she's starting on the left, Hermosa up front, and then you have Graham Hansen on the right-hand side. But she basically played as a nominal striker. Hermosa played almost basically as an extra 10, and then Rolfo came up as the left-sided uh, attacker. And But the amount of times that Kernogorsevich would start on the left, make those diagonal runs across the centre-backs, and it was so difficult for, for, for Wolfsburg to pick up because sometimes she'd be on the left starting coming in behind, sometimes she'd be in the middle coming in as a striker, sometimes she's coming in off the right. Um, you know, if, if I go look at if I look at her stats, she had an XG of 1.04. The amount of 1v1 she had created and been in without scoring, where I was like, how are you not scored? In, like, there were so many chances. Like, she, she had an 
next year of 1.04. Like she should have scored. Um, she had six shots, three three on target, 21 passes, four dribbles. I mean, she had 14 duels on. She had this all all round performance that you know for 74 minutes as a left winger, basically playing as a left wing striker. I think for me was 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 key for everybody to be unlocked because it allowed Rolf all the space on the left hand side. It allowed Hermoso to drop in and kind of pull. Uh, Jansen and the rest across and kind of mess up with their marking. And, you know, on, on, on the right-hand side, because they were so worried about what she was doing on the left and what was happening in the middle, Graham Hansen, as a result, had space to kind of do her thing in 1v1 situations on the on the right-hand side. So for me, it was it was Karna Gorsovic, and, and I really enjoyed her performance. And I think, um, you know, I think she'll have another, uh, she'll have another big role to play next week or this week. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, week. We, we won't talk much about her goal, her goal celebration. I don't know what was worse. The the marginal literally heel <laughs> that the goal was ruled offside for, the actual celebration that was ruled offside. She uh, deserved that. That was really well. bad. But I will I will say two things that came to mind. Um there's so many moments in this match that I can just like pick out and talk about, which I'm about to do now because there was one Anamari chance where I think she really wanted that goal, but Rolfo was in a way better position at the top of the box that I think she should have cut that back. Um, and then from that, Rolfo was really hungry for a goal. And there was that one chance in the first half where she digged the defenders and could have curled it top bins, far post. And that would have been, I mean, to have that goal and to have the CGH goal, that would have been just like, game over for Wolfsburg for like they should just not be in the Champions League anymore so you would have conceded <laughs> just both of those goals in one half just would have been way too much for any team um but we'll we'll have these a last little prediction before we move on to Leon PSG Barcelona have conceded five goals in the entire competition which is now nine matches and Wolfsburg need to score five goals at least to progress to the final four goals to force extra time five goals without conceding anything to progress to Turin is there any hope at all Jesse no this game was dead and buried I think after after Aitana scored to be honest I think it was dead and buried after two minutes I yeah I, I got that feeling as well after Aitana scored so quickly I was like mm, this is gonna go downhill very quickly just 178 um, minutes of pointlessness basically yeah. to come Amdula, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Two minutes in when Aitana scored, I was like, it was, you know, if it was a scrappy goal, a set-piece goal, you'd still think Wolfsburg mm-hmm. maybe have a chance. Just the way yeah. it was scored, you're like, that's it. Like, they, if they're in full flow in two minutes, there's game over. What, what are you going to do? Yeah, that is, that is fair. Um, I think, you know, Wolfsburg, I mean, we have to say that Wolfsburg are still a very respectable team. I mean, they've done it before. Sorry, Jesse, but when they had to beat Chelsea, in that final day of the group stage to go through, it was, you know, scoring four goals against Chelsea is very unlikely for any team. Um, and then Wolfsburg managed it. I, I'm trying to compliment Chelsea there, Jesse. I don't know what you're trying to say. I, I, said I know, but nice. I think, <laughs> I, just, I think they'd already scored three against us, like mm-hmm. before. So I think they, yes, it did feel unlikely before just that whole hot mess of a group stage. I agree. Well, it did yes. feel unlikely. You're right. And yeah. I think it's just... It was like the probability of that actually happening that without smart. conceding X amount of goals for it to be kind of useless. But Alex, like we had diarrhea. <laughs> At least Chelsea don't have a white kit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is, it is unlikely, but just to not kind of nail the coffin just yet. Um, let's give Wolfsburg at least a 1% chance of I think that's very generous of you yeah I'm just I'm trying to get the hype going yeah you are just his own type woman so (laughs) true to type it's good for business Alex needs this for business I need for business I need a Barca Leon final yes that's that's strictly business yeah that's not pleasure at all no Not at all. Anyway, we'll move on to the second match. (laughs) Leon 3, PSG 2. Tough match defensively for PSG, um, (laughs) to say the least. This is going to be really painful to talk because I do feel really bad for 
PSG in general. I don't. Um, <laughs> I, I know you don't, Abdullah, but I mean, I mean, Leon didn't play great either. So I know. I know. No, I'm in no way, shape, or form condoning the fact that they played well. I just, I just, I'm just happy with I, the win. Yeah, I'm just happy with the win. Like, that's all I'm going to say. That is fair. Um, but to talk you through it as quickly as possible. Um, Leon's first goal was a penalty kick in which Wendy Renard scored on her 100th Women's Champions League appearance, first player to ever do that. Um, very impressive, I think. When you think about it, it doesn't sound like much, but then to realize that she is literally the first person to do it is like, oh, okay, you're you're like a big deal, kind of. Wendy Renard, big deal. You heard it here first. <laughs> Never this heard before. It's gonna be huge. <laughs> Keep an eye out on her. She's going to be big in the future. <laughs> um, but a poor goal kick from Votikova landed at Hegerbert's feet, which I must say was, was a pretty good first touch overall into space. And then off that first touch, um, passed it to Makario, and Makario ended up one-on-one in front of goal. And with the season that Makario is having, the likelihood of her missing that is very low. Um, and then a really, really, really bad misunderstanding between the PSG defender and keeper. Gifted Macario her second goal of the match and Leon's third. If you haven't watched that yet, I would say go watch it because I don't think you'll feel the pain until you watch that video. It's just the amount of, again, I was on the other side of the pitch and they replayed it on the big screen in the stadium. And I was like, that is so embarrassing. Can you please take that off right now? Like, I wouldn't have even replayed that goal if I was the stadium kind of person. (laughs) But Looking at PSG, it was PSG who opened the scoring through. Katoto just six minutes into the match. Leon failed to play out the back in PSG's high press, finished with Katoto in the box, um, leaving Wendy Renard completely in her dust and slipped the ball, the ball past Endler, um, which Cristiano Endler probably could have done a bit better on that one, but it, it did sneak through. Um, and PSG's second goal was to do that penalty um, off of uh, Malad handball, which some people were kind of kind of thinking whether it was a penalty or not but I think by the book it's a penalty but that's just in general but the scoreline is set up to have a tasty second leg in Paris which should be really good I also think the the atmosphere in Paris is a bit better that might be good for for PSG in general and kind of might actually hinder what goes on Um, but we'll see how much that has actually an influence on the match because the way our predictions are going um, clearly not so well but Jesse a penalty two defensive mistakes for Leon's two goals does this sum up the match overall and what happened yeah I mean it was a classic in terms of like pure hilarity obviously all the stuff before the game with the fight at PSG like these two teams really bring just the bizarreness every time. You could understand why they had each like thrashed each other, thrashed each other once this season. Um, because, not trashed. Not because trashed. both teams are good. Both teams aren't trashed. Just thrashed. <laughs> are both. Both teams might be trashed though, Alex. That could be the point. Um, yeah, I, I didn't think Liam would great I think there were lots of Leon players who had like good moments I thought Kat Macario generally had a good game I thought Cascarino was good at points but it didn't feel like they had much of a consistent idea of how they wanted to play through PSG really which kind of surprised me because you know we've seen in PSG's uh, you know, like we saw against Bayern, that they don't feel very hard to play through. I mean, I think it helped that Sarah Brooks was obviously back. I think that made a big difference. And I thought Grasquioro had a really, really good game. Uh, my favourite moment was how outraged she looked when Lindsay Horan like pulled her over. I initially thought Lindsay Horan had pulled her hair, but she just pulled her Me too. Her I thought the same. I um, thought I was like, for fuck's sake. I had to watch it a couple of times. <laughs> But yeah, I thought like I really kind of expected more from Leon in this game and I kind of expected more from PSG as well. And, and that was a bit disappointing. I didn't think anyone really liked Sean at all. Uh, Leon, it felt like to me, it's like you look at the team and you're like, you have all the pieces, but there's just something about it that doesn't quite fit together. And I'm not really sure that is, but yeah, I thought it was quite underwhelming just generally. I think it's overall fair to say. Um, considering how the goals came into play. Um, very underwhelming overall. But Abdullah, I feel like I'm going to open just a, a can of emotions by asking this question. Um, what did you think of Leon this match? I promise I'm going to keep this relatively short. 
Okay, so what did I think of Leon? Um, no, I, I actually echo everything that Jesse has just said. I think I don't think they were at their best today. And I think it, it's I think it would have been a lot more it, it felt close by the through the scoreline being three two, but the actual game wasn't exactly close after the, you know, after even though PSG scored that second goal, I don't think it was actually that close, but Leon's made it look harder than it was. They should have been three one um you know, honestly, both goals. I mean, you can argue about the penalty, the the, the PSG one, but Renard sold herself on that first one. Like, I'm surprised with someone that much experience. Like, she leaves that leg out dangling a little bit. Katoto sees it and just runs. Like, like you could see that mile away. I'm like, come on, Wendy. Like, why? Why'd you do that? And then you're right. Like, that's the thing. There, this team has the makings of being. The Leon of old, like it's it was. I I thought it would be difficult to replicate what they had before, and that the, the super team that they had, and they make it now. But I look at the I look at the addition of Lindsay Horan. I look at the way Salmabash is playing. I look at Cascarino. I look at Hegerberg slowly coming back. I look at Macario being this new, um, the new face of Leon. But there's something there that I can't seem to put together and be like, why are you not like? Hundred percent. You're so you're playing at eighty five percent. There's that that fifteen percent that's missing. I personally still I don't know what it is. Overall, I felt like in some sense they deserved the goals because they were the slightly better side because they were able to take advantage. But to some extent, I'm also thinking they were maybe a little bit lucky because Katota can change games on her head on her own. And if PSU were maybe even 20, 25% on their game and their defense was able to communicate and play out from the back a little bit more, I could have easily seen Katota scoring one more goal on her own. So, you know, I think, yes, they go in with a lead, a lead at home, but I don't think it was the most convincing performance from Leon. And they're going to have to show a lot more of a convincing performance in this second leg away from home to, um, to to get through the final. Because by no means do I think this is the end of the game. Because like, like we saw before, Katoto against Bayern changed the game on her own, even though PSG were not, were not really that good. So that is my smaller rant on the, t- on the side. It's a little bit more level-headed over <laughs> A bit, a bit less emotional than last time, I think. Overall, <laughs> I just, I just had to, I had to, I had to control myself. I like, I, I, I have to save something for the second leg, whatever happens. <laughs> That's <laughs> going to be very exciting. Oh god! Um, but Jesse, quickly, let's talk about Katoto's goal and leaving Renard in her dust. Fresh kiss, loved it. I preferred it. I mean, I love, I love the Graham Hansen one, and I think that probably is the better goal. But the satisfaction of it being Wendy Renard. Then that Sophie Lawson tweet where she put it with the halftime video where Renard's like, no one gets past me. All of that was just, that elevated it for, you know, the best goal of, of the first semi-final first legs for me. Now, for context, there was an interview with Wendy Renard and she basically said, either the ball or the player gets past me, not both. Um, so very unfortunate for Gatoto to do both. Um, but now the actual question onto this was, was it maybe a bit disappointing how little the front three of Diani, Baltimore and Gatoto did this match? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't great, was it? I do think it, you have to give the Leon fullback some credit. I think they both had good games. And I think you kind of see in the second half that um, PSG kind of switched it up and tried to move Diani kind of closer to Katoto to get her involved in the game a bit more. I mean, it didn't really work, but I think that kind of tells you like how frustrated she'd kind of got. But I think the problem was for PSG. I mean, I think it was just a problem for both teams that it felt like no one could kind of hold on to possession for long enough to kind of construct anything. You didn't see... Lawrence or Kachawi like able to get forward with the ball in the way that we've seen them in, in other games. You know, there were a couple of moments where it looked like Baltimore was maybe going to get free, but Ellie Carpenter is rapid. Like I hadn't really seen that from her before. And, you know, she put in some yards to kind of like catch up with her at points there as well. So yeah, they, they were quiet, but equally because Leon were quiet, it just was like, no, it, it sounds ridiculous in a game that had five goals scored but really only one of them felt like a like good goal like only katotos cuz and you're just like there weren't even really like that many other chances like so 
I feel like I've got no idea how this second leg is going to play out because on the one hand, you're like, well, Leon might have to somehow create something and not rely on like three big errors really to get their goals. But then at the same time, you're like, well, given that PSG made three big errors, surely you're like, there'll probably be something to nibble on next week then too. So <laughs> I don't, I've got no idea how this is going to play out. And Abdullah, obviously, as Jesse mentioned, you know, five goals scored, none of them really from kind of open play in the sense that that Katoto goal was from high press. Um, it wasn't, you know, playing out the back. It wasn't anything like that. But how do you think the second leg will go with some tactical shifts from both sides? I'm expecting a better game in the second leg. Both teams are going to be looking around and going, seriously, that's how we're playing in a Champions League semifinal. Like, do we want to go through and win? Because I think I think both coaches will drill into their sides. Like, listen, you guys were horrible. Like, Sonia will be telling Leon, you were lucky to win. And PSG manager will be like, you're lucky we didn't lose by like five goals, right? It's going to be those sort of team talks already. Um I think I think it'll be better, and I think I think one of the things that I think will be better on Leon's side, especially, will be the fact that Damaris should come back straight into the starting lineup, and I think she was a massive, massive miss in that side. And one thing that I've, I've talked about before, and I wrote about it last week, was. That number six position for Leon is the most important, not even just defensively, but I think going forward as well, because Damaris is the one that takes the ball and she controls the play. She's the basically what does what Patrick does for Barcelona. Damaris does the exact same thing for, for, for Leon. You don't notice her, but when she's not there, she's a huge miss. And I felt like the mess of the game that was there, um, I would say 70, 80% could have been uh, subsided with Damaris being there because she's the one who's just going to sit in, control, I'll screen the back four. And when she gets the ball, she's so good in possession. She's the one that allows the two number eights to push forward into space and get Leon having three to five players in attack. So I think once that comes in, we'll see a lot better of a possession game from Leon. Um, and I think, uh, and I think, I don't know, you know, for me, the front three might, I'm feeling it might change. I liked Millard's, uh, you know, um, performance off the ball. I think she had a better off the ball performance than on the ball. Cascarino needs better decision-making. I still think she needs that because she had a couple of moments where she was on the counter and she could have created opportunities, but she either took too long or didn't make the right pass. Uh, and then Hegerberg was playing as this more, bit more of a focal point, but um but uh, yeah, and no, I think, I think, I think Demaris comes in, changes things. Basha playing or not playing is going to be huge because I think she's, you know, putting Macario aside, I think she's been Leo's players this season. She's been so good at left back or left wing that she really dictates the play, the, the pace. She dictates how they attack down the left. And because there's so much of a focus of playing down the left, Moroni doesn't offer that. And she also offers this solidity on the left-hand side that I don't think that Leon had before. And, you know, she's really matured in the last, you know, two years. I was talking to a couple of analysts last year and even before who've been close to Leon and said, you know, the only thing that's missing with Basha is maturity and being able to consistently play. And she's brought that into her game this season. And I think it's been unreal to see. So I think Basha and Demars will be the two key players to change the way uh, Leon play. And I think on, on PSG side, I was kind of surprised they didn't play with a specialist defensive midfielder. Luana was on the bench. I was surprised she didn't play, especially with the whole Hamrawi issue that's going on. I wouldn't bring her in next week either because I think she'll get eaten up by Haran and uh, Macario. Um, but I think I think Luana needs to play and give them again the same thing that Demars does, give PSG that defensive hold and maybe try and instead of Votikova you know, flying it over and playing really poor goal kicks, pass it into the Brazilian and let her, you know, let her do her thing from there. So that would probably be my assessment of how it might change on both sides. Almost as if uh, Damaris grew up playing Spanish football. Um, exactly. <laughs> might have something to do with it. Um, I do I do agree, though, about what Damaris brings into that midfield. I think I do think she has been a really big advantage for Leon in general and kind of playing out. Um, but Sanma Bacha, that concussion looked really bad. Um, I would I would think from concussion protocol that she won't make it for Saturday, but I don't know how things work in professional clubs because sometimes it can be sketchy, so who knows. Um, but let's go with quick predictions. Jesse, Leon versus PSG second leg, who's going to Turin? Um, I've honestly got no idea. I think maybe I will... I will lean towards PSG just because of their home advantage. And I think given the week they had leaving up, leading up to this game, they will take a lot from the fact that they're only 
one goal down. So I'm going to say PSG, 2-1 in 90 minutes. Ramona back in extra time again. I back her. In this Lyon PSG, because honestly, for the last 10 minutes of the match, I think PSG were attacking quite consistently that they could have easily gotten the equaliser. And then Romana Bakwin was going down the wing and I was like, she's going to do it again, isn't she? And I was really excited for it. Uh, But I do have to agree that I would give PSG the edge, literally just like a marginal 0.0001% edge because of the home advantage. I do think Lyon have better heads on the shoulders to be able to kind of push through. Like if they get an early goal, if they get early two goals, I think they're a much mature team to be able to kind of just get their shit together, calm down and just push through to the end. But PSG are kind of that chaotic side that they can just show up on the day and play their best football and score. I think they bring teams down to their level with their chaos. Like that's what it feels (laughs) like they do. That sounds about right. Um, But Abdullah, do you want to, have a go at your prediction. <laughs> I'm still going to back Leon. I think, I, think they'll, I think they'll just have enough. Like you said, they got the maturity. And I think, I just don't think they will have a performance like that again. I think they will, they will, they will fix it and they will go through because they know that. Um, and I know we'll, we'll probably do this next week, but um, they'll be relishing the chance to, to play Barcelona and, and, and kind of, you know, see what they're up to. And, and, Again, I don't want to. I don't. I'm not going to say what I think about the final now because I want to save that for later. But like, they want to be there. They want to test themselves against Barcelona, and um, I think at the very least they would have expected to sing. Okay, even if Barcelona are going to be there, and let's say you know for right now, Barcelona are the heavy favorites to win the Champions League overall, regardless of who's there. Their minimum thing would have been like, we need to make the final. We'll see what happens in the final, but we need to make the final. And I think they're so close; it's in their grasp. The, there are still big personalities in this team, so I think I think they'll go through. This is really random, but I do want to add it. I went to the OL Museum before the match, and there was just like a compilation of, of old goals in the Champions League. And you have, you know, the legends, uh, Corinne Petit, Luis Anasib, you know, um, Elodie Tomi, like all these very legendary players in the middle of everything. You have Alex Morgan, Megan Rampino, you know, Jess Fishlock out of nowhere. Hope Solo also made it into there. Um, and I was like, what is this? Um, so I just I just wanted to remind people that these players did play for Lyon um, at one point or another <laughs> and that they are in the OL Museum with their little photos and like their little picture there. Um, I think and Hope probably Solo one like, day we'll look at Lindsay Horan and be like, <laughs> in the same line. Yeah, pretty much. I think Hope Solo only managed, I think it was like seven caps and I was like, why is Hope Solo on this wall? But even Morgan like, was the same thing. She's had like 10 or 13 caps and then yeah. she decided France is not for me, I'm off. Like, Basically. like I don't know, I'm yeah. going to agree with you. I'm like, why are they there? Like, okay, you know what? If we're just going based on performance, I actually think Lindsay Horan has done more. I put Jess Fishlock aside because I think she did She did contribute yeah, to the side. No, she was Jess Fishlock. But like Fishlock and Horan, I would say both some performance alone, if you're going to put somebody in there, you put those two in there. You don't put yeah. Alex Morgan. You don't put it was, Megan Rapino. Yeah. It was literally like Camilla Billy, like Sonia Pastor, like all these players with like 100 plus Classic. caps. The legends. And then you had like Hope Solo, seven caps. And I'm like, mm, whose decision was this to put this player here? Um, but we'll, we'll move on from that. Cause that's just, I just wanted to point that out because I thought it was worth mentioning. That's our museum review segment. <laughs> for, for anyone that's that pretty thinks. much it. <laughs> for anyone that you know thinks. What? Overall, I would have to say the museum was actually quite nice because it involved the woman's side quite heavily. I mean, understandably, considering how successful they are, but it was nice to see a lot of it. It was like a 50-50 pretty much overall. But anyway, let's move on to the second part of the podcast, uh, listener questions. Thank you for everyone for sending the questions. I will have to say that we have only picked the ones that have focused on the four teams left in the Champions League and the Champions League overall as competition. But Jesse, you can get the first one from Ashna, who lives in the States, who has been in Europe for the past couple of weeks. And her question is, should I move to Europe just to watch football every weekend? Yes or no? Yes. Nothing else needed to add. Nothing else needed to add. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Just yes. Abdullah, would you like to do the same? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, when a, a club hire me or or someone of relevance hire me in football, and I will move tomorrow. <laughs> so, Ashna, the answer is yes. That's glad that's that's finalized. That was expect I mean, to see you at Kings Meadow soon, Ashna. <laughs> 
No, at Boromwood, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Um, but we'll go to the actual questions now. The first one will go uh, to both of you by our good friend, Carl Carpenter. Um, his question is, barring a miracle, it will be Barcelona versus someone in the final. Of the two possible opponents, who would be the, tem- the team best placed slash set up to give us a good final? Not just who is the better team, but what team tactically slash style-wise counteracts them the best? Jesse, do you want to start? Yeah, I think I would lean towards PSG just because kind of what we touched on with Barcelona, I do think those fullback positions are the areas where you can get at them. And I think, you know, Indiani and Baltimore, PSG have two of the best wingers in the world. I think Leon, like I don't love Malar playing in that left wing role. It just feels like they've had to kind of shunt her there because Hegerberg's back. And I don't think it really suits her. I don't think that style of play kind of offers that, that same like stretch of play that, you know, like a player like Baltimore does. That being said, I do just think both of these teams are going to get destroyed. I actually said to Alex, I think they they could put all 22 of these players on the pitch and Barcelona still might win. But yeah, I think you, you, I would have to look at PSG's wingers. You know, and, and we saw it. I think this is a worse PSG one than the one that played Barcelona last season. But I'm sure PSG will go would go into a game against Barcelona with some kind of confidence from those semifinals before. I think in the same way that you've seen... Real Madrid go into games against Barcelona with a confidence that they can do something, even if it does hasn't yet involved winning. And I think, you know, we didn't really touch on this before, but what seemed so apparent to me watching Barcelona Wolfsburg, especially when I watched it back the second time, was just how freaked out Wolfsburg were. Like they looked like they didn't want to go anywhere near the ball. They looked like as soon as Barcelona got the ball, it was going to be over for them. And I think that mental like scariness that Barcelona have built up over the past two seasons is like one of their biggest assets right now and I think PSG are maybe a team who will feel less freaked out by that. Abdullah, who do you think? So I'm going to give the other side and I'm and I'm 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 just going to give the Leon and I agree with the PSG stuff. I 100% agree but I'm just I'm just just to balance out the answer just so we hear both perspectives I'm just going to see give why I think Leon could could give a a good game tactically style wise. Now, I hundred percent agree that PSG's wingers are better than Leon's wingers. Cascarino and Millard versus Diani and Baltimore. There's there's a difference. I agree, and they're there. But I think if I'm looking at it from an overall perspective across the pitch, I think the way Leon can set up in midfield and the way that, and and they set up in their in their defense, I think they could sit and I'm not saying they have to press, but I think they could sit a little bit better against Barcelona overall and then hit them on the counter a little bit better. I think if I'm looking at man-to-man midfield to midfield, I give Leon the edge over PSG, you know, I, I mean, and I'm talking about marginal differences here, and I think, but I will just give it to Leon a little bit if we're having, if you're playing Damaris, Henri, Macario, or Damaris, Horan, Macario, I think if you're playing those three, I feel like those three match up better against Barcelona's three, n- not in terms of like yes they're close, but I think in terms of just a general matchup, I think that I think they can match up better. I think they get, I think they've got the defenders for it to, to be able to repel anything that comes in from the wide areas, um, and I think they've got a little bit better positioning, and I think they can hit them on the break because they've got the wingers to be able to do that. I mean, if you want, you could play Moroni at left back, you could move Basha to left left wing. And then you can play on the counter that way. You can get the two quicker Cascarino and Basha going in, in behind. If you want, you can play. Uh, you could you could you you, you could shift, shift things around. You could play Macario in the wide area. You could you could you could. There are so many different possibilities with with Leon that they've got pieces that they can throw in and try different things. Um, you could even wild you know wild idea. You could play Les Sommer as a striker, and you could move. Uh, you can play a little bit more of a fluid front three and and kind of go go in terms of there. So I think for me that way that four three three four two. 3-1 against Boston's 4-3-3. That could work. It'll it, they'll need to be on their game. But yeah, I think there are pockets of, from an overall perspective to be able to defend well, counter, and then play. But if you're talking about pure counter-attacking, we're gonna go and 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 try and and who has the better chances of scoring goals from a counter? Yeah, I think PSG takes that. That's fair to say. It would be interesting to see the the matchup of that semi-final from last season because I thought that second leg at Johan Cruyff Stadium was actually a really good match overall, especially for PSG. Um, But Jesse, next question, I'll throw this one to you from Oliver at 
Frey KLRG. I'm not going to try to pronounce that because I don't know if that's a word or not. Um, but Oliver asked, how much did Lena Oberdorf's injury impact the outcome? I think, I don't know. I think obviously Wolfsburg would have been a better team with Oberdorf in there. And my hunch would be that Janssen's crazy running around wouldn't have happened in the same way if Oberdorf had been there. I think she would have felt more relaxed about, or Tommy Stroot would have felt more relaxed about Oberdorf screening that defence. But I also think that my nemesis, Felicitas Rauch, was also a nightmare. And I think, actually, I thought what was kind of noticeable was that aside from the kind of Alexia goal, which let's be real, like the damage had already been done by the time that happened. Lots of Barcelona's best play did come down the wings. I actually thought Wolfsburg weren't really that bad in terms of holding those kind of central areas. Again, ultimately, given how much joy Barcelona managed to get down the wings, you're a bit like, well, let's say you had a training ground game and they weren't allowed to play like that. Would they have still been able to play through the midfield? Yeah, probably. But I think, I don't think it impacted the final result. I think it maybe created the sense of panic that meant Wolfsburg collapsed so immediately. The stability that Oberdorf brings, both from a midfield perspective and a defensive perspective, would have potentially calm the minds of many people um at Dominic Janssen but yeah it's it's I think Barcelona were just on it that yeah I agree that the final score probably wouldn't have been impacted that much but it would have been maybe marginally harder for Barcelona to to get through as many times as they did but Abdullah here's a very fun question for you um from K-O at K underscore O-V-2 are Barca better than Leon at their prime okay I'm going to be very objective, as I always am in these podcasts. I, I, I allow myself a little bit of leeway once in a while. Uh, I'll give that. No, I, I'll say, yeah. I'll say against the caliber of opponents that are there in the women's football landscape right now, that everybody is set at such a high level compared to seven years ago, six years ago, when Leon went their prime. I would say that this Barcelona side are are better, but I would be intrigued to see this Barcelona versus that Leon side. That would have been, I think those two would be competing neck and neck. I think every year it would be Leon winning the Champions League, Barcelona winning the Champions League, and it would have been back and forth. I think it would have been like that. It's kind of like how Manchester City and Liverpool are right now. That's how I think those two, those two sides would be. But yeah, to answer the question uh, plainly, yes. Yeah. I, I like the answer to that. Um, See, look, but- I, I am objective here. See, look, Alex, I'm not all that bad. Like, I can, I can give Barcelona praise. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's fine. Um, as I'm sitting here in a Barcelona top, um, <laughs> I'll have both of you answer this next question again. Um, from Philip Gibson at Not Guilty One. Philip, what have you done to earn that? At? Um, <laughs> He's asking, in the first leg, Leon not good in front of goal and PSG defensive look shaky. Can Leon or PSG win against Barca? Jesse? I don't think so. I I think before I watched Leon against PSG, I kind of thought Leon might be able to make it an interesting game if they got through. I do think PSG's yikesness in defence means they would really have no chance I think they you know as we just discussed like they're in isolation their attacking players make them maybe a more interesting matchup but I still I think you know as we said the PSG with Paredes and Endler that played Barcelona last year is very very different to the, the current one Leon, I just think it just feels like it's really easy to kind of disrupt the way they play and Barcelona are immensely good at disrupting the way teams play and so no I give no one any hope I just really want it not to be like a total blowout I don't want it to be like last year I'm gonna turn I want to watch a good game I don't want to have flown out to see a game that's over in five minutes please Abdullah yeah I, I agree with the same thing like I feel I don't I don't see Barcelona winning the Champions League that's for me what it is right now Unless something radical happens in the next two to three weeks, 
I don't see I don't see how Barcelona can't be winning this and and I don't think we're being hyperbolic. I think we're being serious. It's Barcelona that good right now. It's very fair to say. And this next one is for you again, Abdullah. It doesn't have to be Leon or PSG. You can just look at it from an overall perspective. Um, but from Adam Salter at Adam Salter 4, who is the club that most looks like they can topple Barcelona? On present evidence, they look like they've perfected football and look unstoppable on our fronts. Abdullah, what do you think? You know, it's tough because I actually don't see anybody who's been able to piece together a coherent style that will help um that'll help you know bring Barcelona and the way they play down and and you know I mean you look at like Leon have aspects that go really really well BSG have access that go re- aspects that have that go really really well you've then got some um, you know I think Bayern have a couple of traits that go really well so I don't think there's a single team that you can definitively say, all right, I can tell that they have potential to do this. I feel like we need to see, I think now that we've seen this Barcelona and the way that they've leveled up this season, I think with the turnover of players that's going to happen in the summer, including I think a couple of Barcelona players will move on as well. I think that will give us a very good idea of who picks up which players and how they can enhance what they're doing now. Because for example, if, if Leon pick up a really good left winger, for example, like another really good left winger, Things could change if 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 PSG go and gets you know uh, a really good defensive midfield or or another uh, you know so some you know depth somewhere else a really good goalkeeper that could change things if if Wolfsburg can just not do Wolfsburg things and keep on to Lena uh, Oberdorf then you can see how they can build on things so I th- I think we can't tell this right now definitively um, honestly I don't think any of the English sides can do it like at the mo- at present evidence the English sides are nowhere near the European side the rest of the Europe you know I think um, it's been proven in kind of what we've seen already but uh, yeah so I, I think it's obvious but then you have to go usual suspects Bayern Wolfsburg Leon, PSG it's going to come from one of those so for now unless you know but it all depends on who does what in the summer and how how it shapes up can I say something left field? I was thinking about this question. Juventus? It's not, not a bad not shout. Not necessarily next season, but I was thinking like, I was like, oh my God, like every team in this Champions League has just been awful defensively, like dire. And I was like, who is the best like defensive team that's like not Barcelona that I've watched this season? And I think for me, it would have to be Juve. And I think to beat this Barcelona team, the first thing you have to do is not make silly mistakes in defence. So if they upgraded Lena Hurtick, maybe. Can I can I can I, I shout out? Like bought Miedema, a Montemuro oh. Miedema reunion. <laughs> I don't know if Viv enjoyed Montemuro ball <laughs> as much. I don't know if that's possible. Can we can we shout out Agnes Bonfantini because she was awesome in 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 the, in the group stages? Yes, we can. But basically, the answer to that question is unless there's a clone Barcelona team. Um, no one can do it for now. Hold on, sorry. Real Madrid. Did we did we forget Real Madrid, about Real Madrid? Yeah. Real Madrid did, yeah. did 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 the best out of everybody so I, far, right? Yeah, I think I do think that Real Madrid have gotten the closest to. They did still concede a fuck ton of goals. True. <laughs> yes. But they showed. Yes, but they have done it a couple of times where yeah, they held on until the 87th minute on a nil-nil tie. Um, even for the first leg, that, that first leg, yeah, the saying. way that they first leg was they close. conceded those last minute goals was just stupid. But they they managed to like basically what it is that they hold off for longer than anybody else so far. So Adam Salt to answer your question, Real Madrid. <laughs> yes, Real Madrid or Juventus or Juventus. Um, yeah, I would just off the end of that, I would love to see a training match between a, like an inter like an inner squad training match of Barcelona yeah. just to see like how that would go on. Um, but last question uh, for you, Jesse, you'll get this one because I know <clears throat> Chelsea are looking for maybe a few replacements if they can this summer. Um, but this is from Clark at E Clark zero. There may be a few PSG players leaving this summer. Who would you poach for your team? Yeah, there's definitely quite a few. So I'm going to have to narrow it down. I'm going to ignore PSG's front three, not because I don't think they're amazing, but just because I'm, you know, if I'm thinking about it from a Chelsea perspective, like, okay, I think we're okay there. I, in fact, I don't want us to add any more attacking players because it's too much of a headache and I don't want to lose the ones we've got because I really like them. So I think the three I would go for 
is I'd take both fullbacks. I'd take Ashley Lawrence and I'd take Chowie because I think that's an upgrade on everyone. Um, sorry, Jess and Neve, I think that is just true. Uh, and the other player who I would take and I believe is definitely on the move, but I don't think she's coming to Chelsea, is Sarda Brits. Because I think we really need a player like that. In our Please take Sarda Brits. I will, I will, the first thing I'll do is buy a Sarda Brits shirt. I want Sarda Brits at Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> yes, I'll pay the fee. I'll fly and help do the medical. I'll drive it to, I'll drive it to, to Cobham. Let's just go. Yes, I do agree with Sarah Dab, especially with the Menary Leupolds being out for quite a while now. Yeah. Sarah Dabritz would kind of be the perfect. Sorry, can I add um, another player that I think from PSU who could do well? And, and I was thinking about this yesterday was I think Luana could be a, a, a low key good pick. You love Luana. I know. I know. We haven't spoken about Luana the entire season on this podcast. <laughs> I, I, I got to I got a rep. I got a rep. I, I love defensive midfielders. I don't know if that's been abundantly clear. I love Abdullah defensive. comes up with Ana Maria Kunrochevic and now Luana out of nowhere for this last this last Why? podcast. <laughs> Is it? Hey, listen, isn't that the, isn't that Such the a hipster analyst. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. See, look, isn't that, isn't that what we're good at, right? We come up with the names that no one's talking about. Like, I've come up with Kornogorsevich. I've come up with Luana. Like, listen, these are low-key players that people don't appreciate and, and people don't appreciate and people don't, um, don't talk about enough, you know? Like, everyone talks about the big ones, but I think they have qualities that are underrated that no one's looking at. You could look at it and go, you know what? You could really do a good job at a top side. You heard it here first, folks. Luana at Chelsea next season. It's <laughs> happening. <laughs> it's going to happen. Um, but yeah, that's the end of this episode. We hope you guys enjoyed that. And these second legs matches, well, one in particular is going to be better than the other potentially, but it should be really interesting. And the final in turn should be tasty. Um, Jesse's going to fly out just to, to rewatch Barcelona win another Champions League so it's going to be fun but yeah thank you everyone for sending in the questions and for listening and we'll see you after the second leg thanks guys see you then